Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, to the Crypto Corner with your host, Jamil Hassan, where we cover founders, uh, artists, executives in the uh, blockchain and crypto space. And a special uh, welcome to season two. This is season two, episode one. First season had 50 podcasts. I took a little break for a month and a half, and we are back with a brand new season. And I'm so excited. And for our first guest, we're gonna. Uh, we we have made a, an awesome um, an awesome guest here as our first guest for the season two. His name is Michael Casey. He's the chief content officer at CoinDesk. Um, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jamil. Happy to be here. You're you're very welcome. Um, so to kick things off, um, as we usually kick things off with the one the same question for all of my guests is what is your background and is it a logical background for what you do now yeah yeah i was, I was thrown by the word logical uh, i don't think anything's logical uh, my uh my uh background is what it is um and it, it is where i ended up um and and i just think you take what you can but i'm a journalist by background um if that that's one part of it the, the name casey of course is irish so that's an interesting part of my background it's, i'm an aussie of Irish descent, uh, been a journalist most of my life. Um, you know, ended up most of that at the Dow, at Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal, uh, where I covered big kind of global macro stuff. I was a currency bonds macro reporter and then ultimately manager, editor, and columnist. But I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole in about 2013 and didn't really ever come out of it. In 2015, left the journal, went to MIT. I was at the Digital Currency Initiative there, worked on a bunch of really interesting research projects as that project as that whole system was going out, but. I'm a journalist at heart, and ultimately, CoinDesk is uh, creating, you know, the media platform for the transformation of the, the financial system. Um, this is as big an opportunity as, as I could get, I think, in media, because I think this is the biggest story in finance in 500 years. So ultimately, I'm I'm leading that charge, and and uh, yeah, this is, I think, I think it's logical. Um, you know, done a whole bunch of weird things in my life, lived in like Indonesia for a couple of years and six years in Argentina, which was transformative in how I think about money. And uh, yeah, lots of different weird sort of meandering paths. Not logical, but this is where I've ended up and I think it feels right for the time being. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank Good. you. Um, so let's talk about um, Blockchain Week. Um, Consensus 2021, this past one that occurred back in May, um, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, what worked well, um, and then we'll start with what, what worked well uh, for that that event, and what do you continue to want to do with with that? Oh, well, consensus, consensus, you know, twenty one was of course a virtual event, as was consensus twenty twenty. So both of those events uh, thrust upon us by outside forces that every other event, you know, organizer in the world had to grapple with. So it's hard to assess uh, it without putting it in that context. But look, it was actually, uh, and if you compare 21 to 20, I think we did phenomenally. Like it, it really was a significantly uh, more substantive and um, impactful event than 
than you know we did the previous one because we had to turn on a dime uh abandon our in-person event and then in a couple of months put on a full global uh 24/7 TV thing in 2020 with consensus and we we're very proud of that and, and the 22,000 people who registered for that but that was a for free uh conference and you know it, it was how do you keep people engaged uh in that environment we were just all of us in the event space figuring out how to do that you know because people come in and they've got they're just literally on their computer they're working on the on one side of their their screen and they're half watching your show on the other and so there's a lot of registrations but do we keep them engaged and could we provide the right experience for attendees and for sponsors and for everybody else and it was yeah it was a success but um we really knew we had to build on that. And so 21 was a paid event. So that was a much harder, higher bar to actually get registrations in, but we cracked 5,000 paid registrants in addition to having a, around, you know, an, a, a large number as well. It pushed us over the 10,000 mark for uh, these, this course that we took in advance of that. So a lot of people came through the door. Um, a lot of them most importantly stuck around. What we did right in 21, um, one of it was classic event uh, 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 101, which is get big, important names in. We had Ray Dalio, who, you know, I, I spoke to in a, a fireside chat to start with the, you know, founder and CIO of Bridgewater, the biggest hedge fund in the world. And he talked about his interest in the, uh, the future of the dollar and the role that Bitcoin might play in that and his own personal investments in Bitcoin or his own hedge fund interest in Bitcoin, which was big news. We also had Lael Brainard, the, 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 you know, one of the Fed governors. Uh, we had we actually got Tom Brady in there. Uh, we had some other, you know, really big kind of uh, names in the NFT and music space. We had all of the who's who of, 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 of crypto world. We had a really interesting new model of programming where we had rather than tracks and classic sort of standardized, you know, models for how you program, we had this exploration concept, which both users and, you know, where there was like three hours of chunks of time focused on more narrowly on one topic and sponsors like that and and certainly attendees did. But the big, big, big innovation that we brought into Consensus 21 was Desk, which is, hey, it's a token. It was a rewards token. Um, and it was quite magical. It, it, it actually had an enormous impact on the most important thing we were trying to achieve, which was engagement. So essentially we gamified the experience and you could argue that, okay, so people aren't paying attention to the content. They're just now like all they're obsessed with is earning desk because with their desk, they could buy swag. They could buy hoodies. They could buy, you know, an experience like a coffee with Barry Silbert or God forbid a coffee with me. Somebody actually bought that, um, you know, or, you know, a, uh, you know, NFTs artwork and various other things that we had bought into the system. And so people were really into it. Um, and they, but they also engaged with the content. So they were, you know, in the chat room where we were dropping desk links so they could earn desk, they were also talking about the stuff. They were forming a community and they sort of self-organized a community. They called themselves the piranhas. Um, and so this whole community around desk emerged and it was really a phenomenal success. And we've seen this, the engagement throughout the conference was just like so much more lasting, so much more sustained than anything we've seen before. Um, very excited about what the prospect of what that means and we are now this was an experimental thing we're now working to build that into a much more integrated thing so when consensus runs around next year we hope to really have this thing worked out as a, a you know, as a real big piece of what it's all about 
once we go back into an in-person experience. So I do want to ask you about what things um, would you want to improve on, but you mentioned next year. And there was a recent announcement that you guys put out about next year. Could you let us know what the, what that is? Yeah, so, you know, we are going back in person. We do think and hope, I mean, that, that even with all these Delta variants and everything else, that the world is getting to that place and in a, in a year's time that we'll be able to do so. And so, you know, with that in mind, where are we going to do this? And rather than be in New York, which is what our traditional experience has been, and we were for a couple of years at the Hilton under one roof, we now want to move to what we're sort of seeing as a more festival-like format, a bit more decentralized, you know, with a few different competing events, if you like, all part of one concept with partners, but also our own programming all feeding into that. And we're going to the city that probably is the master of, of those festivals, um, Austin, um, you know, and you know, the home of South by Southwest, which is the sort of almost like the quintessential festival uh, conference. And um, the plan is to, yeah, build on the opportunities that Austin provide to us. Austin is, is really interesting for a host of other reasons as well. Um, in terms of uh, it being a good home for a, for a blockchain theme conference. Great. So Austin, Texas. And um, what do you, what do you, are some areas that you want to work on for it being live that you think you could have improved on from last time? Um, and will there be an opportunity to build upon that desk piranhas uh, community as well? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, so, if you think about what a festival, if you think about South by South by South by Southwest as well, I mean, it's a, it's this idea that there are multiple different sort of areas of interest that people can engage with. Right. So you, you sort of lean into the fact that there are, if you're into CBDCs, you could go to the central bank digital currency conference. If you're into NFTs and music, there's a music conference that's all around NFTs. If you're into, you know, um, the, the, the whole protocol development, you could go to one of the multiple different protocol foundation gatherings at our foundations track, or, you know, you could just go to the main stage events where we just have, you know, uh, keynotes from big names speaking or, or any other sort of construct of this, right? And and um, so that's, that's what we're trying to do here. I, you know, personally, I think um, what I'd like to see happen is, is how do we make the best of this new environment, this, this city, this place that is, it builds itself, for example, as the the, the the capital of live music, um, and and really lean into that. You know, what can we do with NFTs and and creative works and arts and music? You know, that's a that builds a whole experience around the transformation of of the creative industries that you know I think the NFTs are driving us towards um, as one thing to talk about. You know, at the same time that is like you know gathering in some other place of all these central bankers talking about uh, CBDC. So, you know, it, these are all just loose ideas at this stage. This is not in any way meant to be a um, projection of what we are going to do. But uh, I think that the opportunity is to lean into, you know, these multiple different tracks in which uh, the crypto and blockchain world is working and, you know, bring it together under this, one umbrella experience we, we we've often described consensus as the big tent event of the year um most other conferences in the crypto space will be more narrowly focused um that comes with its challenges right because your audience gets fragmented 
but somebody needs to do it, right? It, 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 to me, it, it is, the reality is that all of these things are intertwined. You can't really talk about what's happening with Bitcoin without talking about CBDCs. You can't talk about what's happening with Ethereum without talking about NFTs and DeFi. So, uh, or even what's happening in Bitcoin for that. Now, they are all interrelated in some way. And so having the one opportunity of the year, the one calendar event that brings everyone together, I like to call it the gathering of the tribes, um, is I think important for, for this industry as a whole. And and therefore, what we what we plan to do in this new format is to really, you know, bring home that broad breadth of experience, still maintaining a coherence and 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 allowing, you know, all those who attend to then go on about the best of their business the rest of the year and then regather the year after. Excellent. So um, Texas, you are. Why, why are you choosing Texas and why is Texas now becoming a magnet for, for, for blockchain and how are the laws favorable there? And then I'll have a follow-up regarding the laws. Well, I mean, you know, the, the Texas and its own blockchain laws are just one part of this. It's not, I mean, it is a convenient um, alignment, but I don't think that was the major factor. I mean, we, we needed to change cities for a host of reasons, not because we don't love being in New York or anything else, but like for what we want to do in this festival experience, it's a lot harder to do it in New York. And, you know, frankly, it was just difficult to get, um, you know, at this stage of where New York's at and it's, it's, tra it's transition just wasn't so easy to get, right? It was Austin, um, they're used to this and they're, they're keen to make it work. So, you know, it, it, in some respects, it's really just about the site. We looked at a whole lot of other cities as well. And this one's like, look, this, they have, it seems to us the best opportunity for us here. Um, but it's, yeah, it's convenient that at the same time, you know, Austin is two things are going on. One is yes, Texas is, has just written its new, you know, virtual currency law, um, that I think is really, uh, constructive. It's essentially making Texas the second state after Wyoming to, um, essentially recognize, um, cryptocurrencies, um, from a, from a, you know, a legal standing, which then enables a whole host of other things especially sort of banking and custody um it's a second state after wyoming to do that and so you, you one could expect a similar kind of ecosystem that's gathering in wyoming right now of, of entities that are forming around the opportunities there to happen um but in addition to that you know austin is becoming a magnet for a lot of um, silicon valley flight right you know san francisco is not having its finest moment right now and um, a lot of people are leaving the Bay Area and a lot of them are going to Austin. So there's, in addition to the blockchain world, there's just broadly, um, you know, an incoming inflow of smart, um, outside the box, innovative tech driven people who really, I think, provide a really great foundation to, to build something like consensus on. So there's a lot of reasons. I mean, Austin's he's got an international uh, hub um, so, you know, there's plenty of flights in there. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a great city, easy to get around. Um, it's, it's warm. It's going to be hot actually in June, but, uh, there's lots of pretty cool ways to refresh yourself. Um, you know, it's got just oodles of hotels. It, it's a, it's a very, very workable place for this. Great. And my follow-up was on law. Um, you know, most of the crypto community was, uh, has been watching C-SPAN over this weekend in the Senate hearings. Yeah. Um, 
and I saw that you had an article, um, Quintus had an article on what's going on over there. I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on how, if, if any, impact will occur um, negatively or positively um, as a result of the, the hearings. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's be clear, these were not hearings, this is a vote on legislation, so it's like even more powerful than hearings, right? I mean, the, um, look, I mean, the first response might be people would think that it's negative. I think the takeaway in this is all very positive. Um, the only reason why the, you know, appropriate um, amendment or this place really compromised uh, language wasn't adopted because one single senator was a standout, right? Um, an 87-year-old white guy from Alabama. Just let that sit for a second. One person, and all because of a defense contracting plan that he wanted. Um, he upheld, like, he got in the way of a compromise uh, piece of legislation that I think would have... Um, really inculcated the very idea that i think is central to how we're trying to you know how i think smart people who, who are really recognize the value of smart regulation are thinking about this that yeah if you've got people who are custodying assets on other people's behalf and they're acting as exchanges then just as they do for kyc and everything else they do have this reporting obligation that's not inconsistent with what happens in the existing crypto world nor is it inconsistent with what happens in the, in the financial world itself. And so whether we like it or not, that's a reality. All the other stuff that was rolled into it, this broad definition of broker and all of the other um, components here with regards to um, whether or not miners would be captured by this and whether or not hardware wallets and, you know, all of that was removed from the exemptions that was agreed upon. And now it's kind of essentially ambiguously still in there. That's a huge problem right? because it's, it's surveillance. It is uh, unworkable models of reporting from unidentified entities and who is even responsible. And it's a mess. But I'm not too worried about it because it's a mess. It's just not going to be enforced or enforceable. And we still have to get through Congress. What's what, you know, the, the lower house. But what's what's far more interesting and far more important was how close it got to actually being resolved because of the phenomenal lobbying that happened which speaks to how much the crypto community has arrived. I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that even though some might see this as a, as a loss, the Bitcoin price has surged through this process. It was a, it was a statement of, of, of recognition of its importance. Bipartisan support from different senators, countless different characters in Washington coming up and speaking out in support of this, and just a barrage of input from the crypto community to move things along. You know, this was grassroots lobbying at its best. And I'm not sure that 87-year-old white Alabaman men who've been in power for too long can actually withstand eventually the power of all of that collective organizing capacity when it comes at you with this thing. So what's going to happen now as we go, as it gets moved into deliberations in the House, even more of it, right? It, it's just, it, it, this, this, it really felt like, this system can't last. There is change afoot. Um, and, and look, having crypto part of a tax structure 
is is a way to legitimize it right i mean you can't you can't ban crypto if it's now baked into your tax collection system it, it is the ultimate legitimization it might not be convenient for those who don't want to pay those taxes but it's it's um it's legitimizing and so let's get this stupid badly worded you know ultimately unenforceable clunky language ultimately removed one way or another in the reconciliation between the two houses bills whenever that comes through and see this for what it is i think it's a victory and a moment of arrival for the crypto community that sounds great i i, I agree I'm, I'm excited now <laughs> um good so i want i want to i want to i want to back away from heavy legal talk and and talk about you know um you know you had some you had some celebrities at in the last blockchain week you had spencer dinwiddie you had tom brady um I believe you interviewed Tom Brady about NFTs, and I believe that he had an announcement today about coming out with new NFTs. What was your experience dealing with these uh, celebrities like um, at your last at the last event? Well, I mean, I didn't personally interview Brady, and, and I didn't know know Dinwiddie, but I can speak to the organization to the extent that I can. I mean, yeah, like, like well, I think most importantly, it was just an interesting, um, you know, acknowledgement of the interest that celebrities have in this space. Um, the NFT movement is, is is obviously filled with a lot of hype. Um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. There's a lot of real big flaws in it, but it is a very real concept. The idea of digital scarcity as um, as a new way to think about how do we actually build a, a more effective business model for creators than, than has been available in the rather destructive Web 2.0 era. Um, is very real and it's very real as something to to focus on so you know the the, the dinwiddies the uh the brady tom brady's the uh various other characters who are putting their name behind this are um are a reflection of the reality that this stuff is, is seen as a real as real potential uh, you know there's a lot of like uh kind of utopian talk as well as if this is going to democratize creators and democratize the you know access for for athletes and so forth, um, I, I, I don't know. I still think that, that guys like Tom Brady and Spencer Dinwiddie, who already have huge followings and have that uh, relationship with you know through through the sporting prowess, are ultimately going to be the ones that walk away with most from this. But you know, I do think that they've they're onto something, and um, that this is you know something that's just going to get bigger. So yeah, it was a. I mean, Consensus Twenty One was one of those um you know milestones for us i think to see how uh, how much these things are changing so let's talk about the people without huge followings for a second like developers and entrepreneurs and investors and some corporate executives academics all of them regulators activists how can they best collaborate you know together to exchange ideas interact network with each other um, and build this community further yeah, like you read that list that we, I think you're probably reading for the press release. Um, you know, it's a, the, the reality is that that's hard. And that's why, you know, I, I don't think we can, you can do the whole big tent thing that we do for consensus um, every, you know, over and over again. Like it's a once event sort of moment. Um, but ultimately that's what, what needs to happen. I mean, this is like this, this 
passage of this bill in Congress and the sheer amount of energy that was uh, expended on trying to get it to happen was a reflection of how difficult it is to bring all these disparate interest groups together around a common cause. And yet it has to happen because this technology is not stopping. And because the world has a pretty broken financial structure at the moment, where we've got all sorts of problems to deal with. So, you know, whether it's ESG and energy or, you know, the, the wealth gap or the, 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 the mounting debts and the sort of lack of confidence in, in the future of fiat currencies, all of that has underneath it a, a multitude of different interest groups who have a position one way or another on what they want the future to be. So we've got to work it out. And, you know, crypto is at the center of the conversation. Um, how do they collaborate? Um, by through education, through conversations, through dialogue, through um, sort of collective uh, efforts to recognize common causes that people can work on. And the best thing to do is to convene, to bring them together, to find ways and structures to get people to have a common language and talk. You know, consensus is, is, is you know, it, it, that's its intent, right? I, I mean, I think as a media organization, that's our ongoing role all the time, right? We are, we cover everything and we are a forum like any media organization is, like your podcast is, for ideas to be shared and discussed. And as that happens, hopefully all, all of this messy reality of these competing groups it gets processed through some sort of osmosis i suppose but the thing about consensus is it's a deliberate effort to actually bring them together and literally allow them to network right so that's one of the great things about events they allow people to come you know press the flesh meet talk put aside all of your hang-ups from home and just relax a little bit and talk like all of that is really i think conducive to um how you bring interested parties together to work together on, on projects. So it's a core theme of any event, but it's a really big theme for consensus. I um, I attended with Media Pass uh, in May and I watched the keynotes. I didn't engage with the community and it's probably something I look forward to doing next year. Um, yeah. And I plan on being there, sure. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's much. I mean, look, we all we all miss, I think, badly the opportunity to be in person together, right? It's really, it's an integral part of a of a conference, and and I'm, I for one just can't wait to get back into the mix. Yeah, and would you say that's the next logical step in the in widespread crypto adoption? Just having more people interact, or would there be something additional? Yeah, no, look, it's all about people, right? And it's about you know, I think every one of us like can say, you know, how did you? get into this, what got you excited? And it's usually some person who told you a story, shared with you an anecdote, whatever it is, and you went, oh, I get it. And that, and I know who it was in my case. And, uh, you know, I, I'm proud to say there was a number of people who told me that I'm the one that got, you know, so then I think this is, you multiply that off over the millions and millions of people who are into this, they've all got stories that relate back to some other person connecting with them. I, I sometimes feel, and this is where, you know, a certain class of Bitcoin maximalist is, always going to disagree with me i find that that there's a group within the bitcoin maxi crowd who treat this as a i've got mine jack um this is all about protecting what is mine and not letting anybody else touch it i fundamentally disagree i i, I think the whole point of a, of a blockchain structure is to enable exchange it's how yes we can do so in a trusted way and protect our own assets in the process but only so that we can actually enable exchange 
And therefore, the most important part of that is the human interaction, right? That that is the story of connecting and collaboration. That's what's interesting, not the holy shit, I'm you know hanging on my, my my gold or my guns or my whatever, and and stay away from you, right? It, it's it's just it's just not the point, as far as I'm concerned. So um, yeah, this is um, the, the, this is why we do what we do, bringing people together. That's great to me. Um, so I want to thank you very much for your time today. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and it's been it's been great to kick off season two with you as my guest. It's been great. Um, my last question is this: How can people find out more information about you, about CoinDesk, about Consensus Twenty Twenty Two? How can they do that? Sure, thanks for asking. Right, so CoinDesk.com. It's you know most important media site out there, so you can find CoinDesk, all of our articles, all of our TV, all of our podcasts, and all of our you know newsletters and everything else that you can sign up for, all on that site. CoinDesk.com. Uh, I personally, I'm the author of the weekly newsletter, uh, Money Reimagined, um, that's also available. Uh, if you sort of seek out Money Reimagined uh, on the site, you'll get a, get a subscribe to that newsletter. Uh, I also have a weekly podcast, uh, also called Money Reimagined. I do this co-hosted with Sheila Warren from the World Economic Forum. And that is, uh, you can find that under the podcast tab within Coindesk.com. And also uh, it, it runs on our TV program as well. So you can find that. Um, I've written like five books on this, co-authored two, one called Age of Cryptocurrency with Paul Vigna, also The Truth Machine with Paul Vigna. Um, check, out, check out those books. Uh, and some of this is on my own personal website, michaeljcasey.com, um, along with maybe some information about the company I founded called streambedmedia.com, which is a, a, an important um, data-providing blockchain-based service for NFT for the NFT industry. Um, so, yep, streambedmedia.com, coinage.com, michaeljcasey.com, money reimagined. Sorry, that was very long-winded. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check them all out. Hands in the fire. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jamil. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.